Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness. Here's the high stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by comedian Caitlin Gill that she first shared at a Risk Live show in San Francisco in 2013. It's called, Of Course I'm High Right Now. Hi, everybody. So I have to say, it was kind of funny when I saw what the topic for tonight's event was outside the comfort zone, because I'm not sure exactly what I would describe as being inside my comfort zone. I am not easily described as a comfortable person. I operate with like a base level of anxiety and nervousness that I don't think most people are willing to embrace. Uh, But I've grown accustomed and fond. Uh, That's just kind of how I roll. I think the better adjective is probably feral. Like house trained, but still a little nervous about being inside. Like, I promise you that this is the most comfortable I will be talking to any of you tonight. Uh, Should we find ourselves in conversation, rest assured. It was a lot easier when I had a microphone, a stage, and lights. That's much more comfortable for me. Uh, So I was kind of delighted to pick through to decide which one of my stories actually existed outside of my comfort zone other than all of them. Uh... (laughs) But I thought specifically of this thing that happened about a year after I started stand-up comedy, I decided it would be a good idea to become a more well-rounded performer, and I pursued a workshop in solo performance, which would be like writing a one-woman show style thing. And like stand-up comedy is a lot of fun, but it only requires that I hit one button. Laugh, 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 laugh. That's all I want you to do. 
all of the time. And in like a one-woman show, that would be very different. Like I would explore a broader range of emotion. I would have to become comfortable with longer periods of silence like this one. (laughs) That is inherently terrifying for a comedic performer. But I was very curious about exploring all that, and so I decided that a workshop would be worth it. So that's what I did. I signed up to take this solo performance workshop. And there's like 12 of you in a class, uh, and it goes a few weeks. You make three hours a week, and you break down a war- you break down your own idea for a show together. And then at the end, you all perform your show, the little workshop thing. And I thought that would be worth it. It was really good. Uh, the first class was just like any other first class that's ever been a first class. We showed up, we got a syllabus, we introduced each other with some stupid icebreaker game, and then we left with an assignment. And the assignment was to come back to the next class with a list of ten things that we were afraid to say in front of other people. And like, I'm a comedian, that's kind of my job description. Like, my comedy is best described as confessional. I already say some stuff that's kind of hard to say out loud. The rest of what I have to say is not just hard for me to say, but probably pretty hard for people to hear. Like... I am less concerned, like having mined the rest of my discomfort, I'm a little bit less worried about how I feel saying it and more about how those poor 12 trapped people are gonna hear (laughs) what they're gonna have to say. So I was a little bit nervous, but I got my list together and I showed up to the second class and we meet in this crazy ob, we're like on the sixth floor of this building, downtown San Francisco that has a whole bunch of theater stuff in it. You get in with this little code. So I'm in the theater building now. And like, here's how I know I'm not an important person. I live in San Francisco, a major urban center globally, and I spend my entire life on the first floor of everything. I'm never in an elevator or an escalator. So, like, I am on the sixth floor. This feels like the big time. I'm pretty excited. Like, I take a picture of the view. Uh. <laughs> so we're meeting, and, I, like, it all, it, the class is kind of this cool, it's good Motley crew. There's, like, a former bassist of a punk band, because what 50-year-old who lives in the mission isn't a former bassist <laughs> of a punk band. San Francisco is rife with them. There was, like, a... There's like a bored housewife exploring her creative side. There's like a super sweet Midwestern lady who was like human syrup. Like she literally wore braided pigtails. Braided pigtails on purpose on a grown-up. It was adorable. She was so nice. There was like the overly effusive Asian lady. Like there was a, you know, who was like so good at everything. Like, and you have an MBA? I... Also, there's the guy who was, like, so gay that he was every part of the word gay. He was a pie. He was just a rainbow, just exploding. So happy, and every hug was really long and smelled like a warm person. Like, he was just, like, he wasn't sweaty. He was just damp with gay, just gay dampness. Just so gay, and I'm damp. There was this lady, like, a trust fund rusted, trustafarian lady with her thermos eating quinoa out of the thermos with, like, the bamboo chopsticks. There was, like, a white dude who played, like, acoustic guitar a little too well. Like, I don't know what that means, but it means something, you know? I don't trust you, white, white guy who plays acoustic guitar too well. And people got up and they read their lists and these aren't all people who are performers. They're like, it's, you know, it was stuff you expect people to be like afraid to say, like, I'm ashamed I'm balding. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh, sometimes I'll park in handicapped spaces. Ah! <laughs> I always ask for a double cup and I job a jacket. Ah! I like my servants more than my parents. Ah! <laughs> this is all <laughs> relatively banal, but scary. People were out on a limb, and it was, the way they were set up was cool. They, everybody was sitting in a semicircle, and when you read your list, you'd stand up in the middle of the circle, and you read your list, and then everybody got to ask you questions about your list. So you, yeah, you're interrogated about what you're afraid of. Uh, but it's, it's like it's cathartic, and it was going really well. People were like, you know, getting into it, and it was good, and it was my turn, and like... You know, my list is a little bit different, like, creepy uncle, creepier grandpa, like, weird, you know. <laughs> like, you still can't look in the mirror, all the tears, like, oh. You can take the fat out of the girl, you can never take the fat girl out of the girl, like, lots of weird, you know. And right in the middle, <laughs> right in the middle, I buried this little gem that I assume is, like, the most banal entry on my list. And I mentioned to the group that, like, I have a holy trinity of addiction that is marijuana, caffeine, and television. <laughs> and I can enjoy all three on a rotating basis as long as there are all three. Like, I need nothing else. That is, that is happy right in there, right in that place. Where I'm sleepy from the bong hit, jittery from the coffee, need some bong hits. Oh, the Simpsons again, which aren't on Netflix, but I have every DVD. <laughs> and it gets to be my question and answer time, and people immediately go back to the pot. You smoke pot? Oh my god, you smoke pot? Because, like, it's not, I don't, I don't have the look. Like, I am a librarian who hasn't graduated from college yet. Like, I. <laughs> at 30. Like, I'm so old to be that part, but I'm such a, you know, I'm kind of a nerdy, I'm not like, I don't bring my drum to the circle, like, I'm not... <laughs> very straight, combed hair, like, I don't have, yeah, I'm just not, I don't wear hiking boots, or like, I don't have a pair of pants made out of four pairs of pants, like, I'm just not... I don't fit the stoner stereotypes. Uh... So people are, are so curious, like, wait, you, you really smoke pot? Like, yeah, no, I, I, I smoke pot. Well, how much pot? All of the pot. I smoke the pot. <laughs> Always smoking pot. Well, when do you get high? Well, am I awake? That's, that's when I'm high, is awake. Awake times, and probably also while I'm sleeping if my dreams that I don't remember are any indication. I'm high. I'm high, and somebody was like, wait, you're high right now? Of course I'm high right now. Am I out of my house? Yes, I'm high right now. Why wouldn't I be high right now? And they're titillated and excited, and then, and then uh, it, Quinoa Chopsticks raises her hand. And she doesn't look at me. She turns to the instructor of the class and says, you know, I actually don't think it's appropriate that somebody would come into the classroom environment intoxicated. <laughs> I think it potentially compromises the confidentiality we all expect one another to maintain. And I think it undermines the creative spirit that we should all approach this workshop with. Like, I've been punched in the stomach. That felt 
more like being punched in the stomach than being punched in the stomach. Like, I was in the moment just sort of flattened because being called out on being high, like, nobody likes to be called out on being, like, doing something that might be socially unacceptable. But, like, you can wipe off a booger. Like, you can wave away a fart. I can't just not be high. Like, I can't just flip the switch. And, like, in a, a second ago, I was totally like, yeah, and, you know, I'm quick-witted and comfortable. And suddenly I was like, yeah, I'm, oh, God, I'm really high. <laughs> so high, man. Just... Space and shit. It's like we're all just here, specks of dust. Floating, man. Did you know we're all just liquid? Vibrating? <laughs> I'm defensive and I don't want to get mad at her and like I just sort of I just want to keep my cool so I look at her and just have to like I'm legitimately curious I just have to ask her like is there anything in my behavior up until this point that makes you concerned that I'm not in control of my facilities like is there some reason that you think I'm about to like freak out crap my pants and steal your purse is that (laughs) like a concern that you're legitimately having And she just turned around and said, like, I think it's more respectful to the class environment if we move forward with an expectation of sobriety here. (laughs) And the instructor said, 10 minute break, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And I just took off. And we're in this locked building, so once I leave, I don't even know if I can get, like, back in. But I'm just out. And as soon as I leave, the room, it's just like, just tears. It's the kind of sobbing where it's like all air out, no air in, I'm just, everything, snot and drool, just ah, ah, Which is the only way you can make people on the street more uncomfortable than you. (laughs) While you're sobbing, like you're sad, but I'm sadder for having seen it. I'm gonna go about my day. So it's like the Red Sea of businessmen parting as I walk through downtown, just sobbing. And on the first, like, I just jet out of the building and I start walking around the block and it's downtown San Francisco, so that's like a quarter mile. So, like, I got some time. And I'm like, the first, I'm walking around the building and it's just like that fucking bitch, cut bitch face, cut bitch face, cut cut bitch face, just rage, rage tears. And I around the corner and it's like, you know, but she's not wrong. She does have a point. Like, it might be nice to be able to approach a classroom environment or a workshop and not have to take, like, one-hitters in my car before I go upstairs, but that's not yet an option for me. Like, she's not incorrect. It might be nice to expect that people don't show up loaded to everywhere you go, but I did it tonight, and it seems to be working out for me. Like, everybody has their own fucking winning formula and as I turn the third corner it's like fuck it that's mine and I just grab my one hitter and I just smoke that whole third last leg just weeping weed smoke downtown not a problem like walking by a dude with way worse problems than mine like that's some perspective and then I just keep going (laughs) and around the corner uh, you know and I can see the building 
And the instructor is a huge dude. He's like six foot four. And he has the door held open, and he has his toe on the door, and he's leaning out as far as he can and looking up both sides of the street, trying to figure out if I'm coming back. And he sees me, and his whole body just like, I see the relief. And he folds me into this big, huge hug. And like, he doesn't have to say anything. He said it. He asked me to be vulnerable, and it didn't go the way anybody planned. And it's like a big choice. Like, do I go back to that class? Because I can just keep walking. Like, Bart is not far away. I don't have to do that. But I'm not a comfortable person. Being uncomfortable is not anything new to me. And where I am comfortable is here. And I'm not going to let my issues or anybody else's issues with me stop me from being here. So I stuck with it. I did this class and we all had to do like a group deconstruction of what had happened the next session because we're white liberals and like (laughs) the lesbian warrior princess in the class led it and it all went really well and we healed and I wrote a piece that I'm super proud of. I still really love it. It's something I'm very proud I did. And when I got to perform it, I was so comfortable. And that's sort of like, in the end, I'm super glad that I'm not afraid of being afraid and the discomfort isn't that uncomfortable. Uh, But I do want you to know that I've left some of my cards in a stack in the lobby. So if you'd like more information about them, you can find it on my website. I think we all know it's best that I not attempt conversation or eye contact tonight. Thank you very much. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.